We gotta go. We gotta go. We gotta I know, move. I know, I know, I know. Come on, think of something creative. <laughs> Quick. Hold on, that can't operate under pressure. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Welcome <laughs> to the Grinch. Welcome to the crunch with the only among us that I need is Jesus dwelling among us in the in the midst of the in the in the church in the sacraments. Uh, it's your boy Ethan, <laughs> and I'm Patrick. <laughs> Great. My my brain is. I didn't realize we already started the hot take time machine and are reading your <laughs> tweets from 2012. If only Among Us was around back then, I, there would have been so many so many jokes. Oh, Judas is so sus. Yeah. Why do you? Ju- there's a there's a there's an imposter among us. Why do you need the only the the why <laughs> do you need to make sure that you program the spaceship when in actuality Matthew used to be a tax collector? <laughs> <laughs> the best the best among us Jesus meme was from Bishop Umbers, obviously, uh-huh. and it was about Acts 15. And it was like uh, uh, the Jewish men say that Christian converts have to be circumcised. Emergency meeting. <laughs> I don't really know anything about Among Us. Uh, oh, you have to call it emergency meeting sometimes. Oh, okay. And the emergency meeting was the Council of Jerusalem about circumcision and the Judaizers. Get it? Yeah, I know about Acts 15. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't. The Bible reference was not what I was having trouble. No, with. it was the it was the game. The game. <laughs> it was the pop culture reference. gamer gamer time. Uh, my brain is fried because let me tell you this. The I don't know if you know this, but I watched a video from Dave Ramsey this week. Oh have you yeah, I've heard of Dave David Ramsey. You have heard of 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 the the Protestant mystic the Protestant Dave mystic Dave Ramsey. I'm reading more Protestant authors these days, and I was watching a video by Dave Ramsey, and they were talking about the housing market, which I'm mm-hmm. interested in uh, for yeah. a number of reasons. The first being that I need to get a house soon to like live in when I'm freaking married, you know. Uh, and he was talking about how because of the pandemic and because of all the factories shut down, they're not making any parts for the houses anymore. And so there's no <laughs> there's no new houses. And so there's no new construction, which means that the prices for the houses are just going up. And, wow. and everyone's everyone's trying to buy. So the market is flooded with all these people who were trying to like wanted to buy a house last year and the year before who haven't been able to. And I'm experiencing this. Right, I am in media res. I am living this because Em and I are trying to yeah. find a house to rent this summer. And we decided to rent and not to buy. We decided to pay off my, my student loans first, by the way. Fair enough. Fair enough. Which was great. Um, also, a bunch of people were given the same advice that Phoebe and I were when we first got married. Yeah. Which was, now is the best time to buy. It's <laughs> never been better. Interest rate. <laughs> but liquor. The interest rates have never been lower. That's what, that's an office reference. I don't know, but um, I don't know what you just said before you. You're 0 for 2. I said, but liquor, our prices have never been lower. It's from the office. It's not weird. Okay. Everyone else, everyone who's listening to this podcast understood that reference. Are you sure? Yeah. Am I, is it the really? Office is like, okay. The office is like the Seinfeld of our generation. Yeah. Okay. It's, oh, uh, it, uh, Tuesday doesn't have a feel, Jerry. Did you get that? Is that, is that a reference you understood? No, uh, I missed that one uh, too. What's that? What's that one guy's name? Uh, Newman. There okay, it is. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, now, yeah, now, now you understand. TV reference. Happy. Yeah. Newman. Um, I don't understand that reference. <laughs> I never watched Seinfeld. <laughs> Seinfeld is is infinitely better than whatever drivel you watch. Seinfeld is postmodern garbage. 
and that right, what's, and, and that's what it. makes it great. <laughs> you get out of here. Um, the office is 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 modernity and decadence personified, <laughs> and Seinfeld yes. is this postmodern nonsense. Anyway, what was I talking about? Any we every time we try to like apply to a place or ask someone, hey. Are, when are you looking to start renting? They're like, yesterday, and there's already 30 people who have applied and are living there right now, and you're just late. <laughs> it's like, they're all taking shifts. They're all taking shifts and living in this house. It's a timeshare, and everyone gets one day a month. Uh, it's terrible. <laughs> so say a prayer for us that we find a place to live. It's it's kind of a lot right now, and right in this time of the month, not like mm. this time of the month, but like <laughs> right at the end of the month when the yeah. new month is about to start, a lot of houses are coming up because people are moving out and... So it's just uh, pretty stressful on top of the yeah, fact that stressful. I only have a week and a half left at my job before I move. And then I start my okay. new job on June 1st. And so I have to do all of my transition. I have to finish all of my real estate school, which I'm about halfway done with. I have to sign up for my licensing test. I have to transfer all of the administrative knowledge and everything that I have to the new team director. I have to write all of these thank you notes to all of my mission partners, which is not a burden as much as it is just a like a because I want to thank them for supporting me for so long. Yes, but also thank there's you. so many thank yous. <laughs> uh, also, I mean, you're complaining about the housing market being a being a seller's market right now, but like you're about to be a real estate. I know. Seller. I don't know if it translates. Not, not not yeah. I don't know if it translates to commercial. to commercial, but it might. If people are moving into the area, odds are that the businesses are going to be moving into the area as well. And so if you. If you're a business and you're moving into Oklahoma City and you need a space, give me a call. And there were a bunch of businesses. Businesses did larger businesses that would be looking at million dollar properties are like they had some cash flow savings from not, you know. Right. Anyway. So it's not it's not the end of the world. It's just oh gosh, we're talking about the housing market, aren't we? We really Welcome to the Housecast. Welcome to the Housecast. It's it's pretty tough. All this to say I've got a lot going on in the next two week and a half that all has to get done. But at the same time, this is the hard part is that I've got all these students that I've been building these relationships with for the past three years. And it's the last time that I'm going to get to spend with them. And yeah. so I'm trying to take advantage of all that time and make sure that mm-hmm. I see that like, cause that's the reason that I'm here is for yeah. these people. And so it'd be weird to be like, Oh, I know it's our last chance ever to see each other, but I've got a bunch of emails to write. You know, it's like, <laughs> sorry, sorry, I have to write emails. Yeah, I'm a little busy. Like, that doesn't seem right either. And so I just kind of end up squashed doing nothing. Yeah. And I just I just run away and I podcast. I podcast with my friend Patrick so that uh, no one can be mad at me for podcasting. Because everyone, <laughs> you say, hey, I got to go podcast. People are like, oh, okay, I understand. Oh, shoot. Yeah, I totally get they it. Totally yeah, everybody's got to do that yeah. nowadays. Nobody see. It's like definitely something we could not do for a week and no one would really care you know except for us no they'd care well the people might care the people always care but the 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 people in the in the real world out there that i work with <laughs> yeah i say i say those two magic words podcast and they say oh <laughs> can't talk to ethan for the next two hours it's like a goal it's a get out of jail free card it's amazing nobody it's bothers like talking me to someone that you don't you're talking to someone you don't really like podcast <laughs> then two hours go up and he's like hey ethan and you're just podcast, podcast and you can just say sorry podcast 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 podcast, podcast. i have the whole day free now <laughs> I just got I just got eight hours of time available. Marathon podcast. Marathon podcast. We're doing we're doing a uh, a an a thon, a podcast a thon where we podcast for twenty four hours and we accept donations and pledges. That would be so the phones fun. are open at triple eight uh two four crunch. We should actually do that. We should get four crunch. We should get 
a building and then we have like a real <laughs> phone that you pick up. You know up. what we need? You know what our you know what our you know what you know what our our our, uh, our organization needs? What do we need? Overhead costs. <laughs> That's what we need right now. I'm not saying I'm not saying we rent a building. I'm just saying we get we go to a physical space together. We okay. live stream. One of us is up front talking. The other person is behind on the phone. Uh, and then maybe we could have, you know, Phoebe come in and she does like a hair tutorial. And then we could have Emma come in and be like, this is how you put a really tiny needle into a really tiny baby. And, <laughs> uh, and then, and then they, could both, they could both talk about their different plants. Exactly. And then everyone yeah. would be calling in and being like, hey, how much for a podcast with those two? And we'd be like, no, there's no amount of money. No, sorry. No, there's, there's none. Not, none. They can't no do money. it. It's not allowed. It'll overtake our podcast. The Phoebe and Emma cast would be Tomorrow. infinitely more popular than our podcast. <laughs> and we would just lose all of our listeners. They're just so likable. Take it from us. We like them a lot. They really. Let me tell you this. Everybody listening. When Emma and I got engaged, we FaceTimed Patrick and Phoebe. We were like, hey, we got engaged. And they were like, great. And then we only talked to you guys for like two minutes. Like it wasn't that mm-hmm. long of a conversation. But in that amount of time, Emma was like, I really like Phoebe. I really would love to hang out with Phoebe. I think that's she's, exactly what Phoebe said about Emma. She's like, so she seems funny. so nice. <laughs> Whereas like she's- the first time that I talked to you, I had to take like a month to decide whether or not I wanted to keep talking to you every <laughs> single week for the podcast. Cause I'm, cause I'm a jerk. <laughs> and I was like, who's this PVC pipe looking? <laughs> yes. I waited until you took it. Pretty sip. good. Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good. Oh man. Speaking of PVC pipes in the past, let's go to d- d- take a dip in the hot take time machine. Thanks. Let's go take a take in the hot dip time machine. Welcome to the Hot Take Time Machine, the part of the show where we take a look at the the hottest takes. Yeah, I'm just trying to. uh, I'm trying to comprehend. Just ran a mile. (laughs) I'm trying to take. I'm trying to take in all of what happened eight years ago and Uh what was going on in everyone's mind. But anyway, um, Ethan, do you have a hot take for us? I do. (laughs) Send us your hot takes. Send us your hot takes. this one is from Ethan Stevie April Apostle. April 23rd, 2016. It says, Had a dream that I kissed a stop sign at Jason Everett. Please explain this. <laughs> 22 likes, no retweets. That's pretty good. I That's thought it was really pretty good. funny. For those of you that don't know, kissing is when... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> for those of you that don't know jason everett is a is a speaker on chastity jason everett uh, is matt frad's friend yes in theology of the body and those kinds of things he's a big he tells guys he very aggressively says the word porn in every single talk that he yeah. gives he really yeah. hits the plosive um and so he'll say if you watch porn and it's porn. like it's like whoa jason like these guys are 14 years old and you're saying you're saying that with that hard of a plosive I don't care it's that he's saying. I don't, I'm not, I don't care that he's talking about pornography. I think everyone should talk about pornography, but with the hard P. Woof. Woof. Uh, and so it was just funny because I had a dream that was like weird, like I kissed a stop sign. Like that's kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> oh, I didn't realize it was an actual dream. Like no, was it, this was a like... no, this was a real dream that I had <laughs> that I then had to kind of deal with emotionally. That's I funny. Know. Yeah. So I do like the idea of because like. 
one of the one of the the hallmarks of being a chastity speaker is teenagers coming up to you and explaining their problems, yeah. specifically their sexual problems. Yeah. Tell and, me, tell me if this sexual desire is healthy or not, please. You forty-year-old man with a wife and children, and also I'm thirteen. Yeah. Like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> like, like that. That situation is ripe for yikes. Like he had. To, I'm sure he had a hard time, you know, dealing with. You just have to that. always have like a cop with you. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> listening to everything you say. Every conversation. And that's the only is recorded. way. Yeah. But like, additionally, they used to talk about him and him and other speakers like that used to talk about how they'd get emails and they try to respond and stuff like that. And I just, I just love the idea of him sifting through his menchies that morning. Like this kid's like, he's been struggling with a pornography addiction for years. This guy's struggling with impurity with his girlfriend. This mm-hmm. guy kissed a stop, stop sign. sign. <laughs> <laughs> he completely rewrote his talk after that. Let's go. Like, oh, things are worse than I thought they were. No, this is, this is really, I gotta, go, I gotta get, I gotta get another talk. I gotta make S- another one. Steubenville mid America 2016 is really going to be different this time because of, this, <laughs> because of that kid's stop sign tweet. Oh man. Okay. So mine come, my hot take comes from December 26th, 2012. Okay, oh wow. Day after Christmas. All right. Um, boxing day as it is known for it's, our Canadian it. brother. Uh, I just got asked if Satan is an atheist. Well, yes. And no is what I wrote. Um, and one of my friends thought I said Santa, which is funny, but, uh, Mariel, shout out Mariel thought, uh, sorry, thought I said Santa. That's pretty good. The, considering it's the day after Christmas, I understand. Um, but then ensued a debate in the comments. Um, that guy that I, so one, one, this one guy, let's call him Johnny. I had, I couldn't recognize his name and I looked at his profile pictures and I was like, I do not remember this kid, but he's being that guy who like knows a lot about world religions. Mm, You know, mm -hmm. you know, he's like, well, Satan being a minor deity himself, uh, would have been a theist, not an atheist. Unless we're talking about, oh, is it, was it, um, he said, a theistic Satanist, obviously, uh, unless he's the Islamic Satan, who is called Shaitan. Uh, Shaitan is Islamic. Um, and then this girl, Nicole, is like, Satan isn't an atheist because he believes in God, obviously. Um, and then Peter goes, or sorry, his name's Peter. Uh, <laughs> Peter goes, I, I doxed. Um, or Nicole, in some Abrahamic religious texts, uh, his jealousy of Adam is what did it, blah, 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 blah. Anyway. This dude straight up just like read the Wikipedia article for Satan once and was like, I know. <laughs> I know. And I love, I love my friend's responses, like Daniel's responses in very stark contrast. Is this, to this. Daniel Tenbush? Daniel Tenbush, yeah. Shout the out king. Daniel. He's like, he's like, did it hurt? Uh, he's like, pick up line, did it hurt when you fell out of heaven, break up line because you were literally the devil. Um, <laughs> That's a good one. And then, uh, yeah, it's just my friends from youth group goofing off about the idea of Satan being an atheist. And this one guy who's obviously very clearly an atheist is trying to show us how much he knows about theistic religions. I was so. uh, listening to a podcast the other day, the Kansa Catholic podcast, which is run by the priests at K-State. One of the priests, Father Drew, was in Aggieville. And I thought this was so funny, so pertinent to our modern times. Someone comes up to him in the in the bar and says, hey, you're a priest, aren't you? And he's like, yeah. Like this yeah. kind of stuff happens all the time to priests who go out in their clerics. Like they ask for it. But he kind of loves it, though. And they, this guy goes up, you're a priest, aren't you? He goes, yeah. He goes, what do you think of the devil? And he just looks at him and goes, you doing okay? 
And the guy's like, I'm so sorry. Like my friend asked me to come over here and say that. Like I, I really wouldn't have bothered you, but like he was pressuring me to come and do it. Like I, I feel so bad. And it was just like this weird, like all of this weird atheistic energy just kind of evaporated as soon as the priest asked him like, Hey, you, you doing okay. Uh, and I feel like that's all Peter might've needed that day. You know, it's just, yeah. like, Hey, I noticed you that you're, you're really reading the entirety of the Wikipedia page for Satan. You doing okay? You, you need, you, need, you, you, need you a are having a time as they say do you want to you want to <laughs> sit down outside and drink a mountain dew voltage together and just talk about life they like, came out with you, a new blue one do you want to check that one out i know it's really cool it's 2012 i spent a lot of money on chocolate chip pop tarts at the school vending machine that year <laughs> maybe, we, yet, maybe we could do that together peter maybe yeah i just are you okay i'm worried about you <laughs> that's really funny yeah. shout out to your priest and there that's was great there was also in the same night. I'm just kind of quoting this whole podcast. This is also funny. They just tore down St. Isidore's because they're building a new church, which is awesome. Yeah, I've been hearing stories about K-State as like this triumph of Catholic campus ministry. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> where did you, where are you hearing those stories? I don't know. I keep hearing stories about how great K-State is. We have a, we have a person who just moved from Kansas. Oh. And he's like, yeah, yeah K-State's great. It really is actually incredible what's happened there. Um, in the past just five years. It's absolutely nuts. Uh, but they just tore down the church so that they could start building it back up and it's going to be done in like spring of 2022 or something like that. I don't really know when it's going to be finished. But uh, And then the priest was going through Aggieville, Father Drew, and some drunk guy comes up to him and was like, hey, I'm, I'm Catholic, you know, it's just whatever. And Father Drew's like, hey, you should come to Mass at St. Isidore's. And the guy goes, bro, St. Isidore's is demolished. How am I going to go to Mass? They're like, we're having Mass in the Alumni Center. <laughs> we're having Mass somewhere else. <laughs> we're having Mass somewhere else. But the, his first was like, bro, the church is gone. How am I going to go? Where have you been, Father? <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> You didn't see it? I know, it Dude, just, that, bro, that's your house. That's your house. It's gone. It you live there. So just hard. like teachers live at school and doctors uh, live at the doctor's office. Yeah, but actually priests do live at the church, though. They do. Uh, they so anyway, listen to the Cons of Catholic podcast. It's great. Great content. I was on it. I was on an episode. Oh, man. How are you doing? You doing okay? Is everything... Everything happened all right? My friend came over here and dared me yeah, to say dare, dare, dare me to podcast doing, with you. I'm, they dared me to podcast. For the past five like, years. Po- the, the podcast <laughs> thing has the opposite effect on me. Someone says the word podcast and I have to go podcast for two hours. For two hours. And you can't. It's like time out. Yeah. Pod- I say something. Patrick, podcast. Okay. Welcome yeah. to the crunch. <laughs> <laughs> it's just talking to yourself in the corner for two hours. I'm so sad. Yeah, I am. I am doing great. In fact, I am. Um, I am giving a talk tonight at my parish on uh, Brandon Vaught, the homie, came out with mm. a new fellow Floridian, fl- fellow Florida boy, Brandon Vaught, came out with this book, Return, a while ago. A yeah, while yeah, ago. yeah. Did you see it? I, I heard you talking about it. Yeah. That's it's, how it's I hear called, about most things. <laughs> it's called how to, It's Return, How to Bring Your Child Back to the Church. And so it's it's a really solid, um, they're selling it for seven bucks. It's great. And um, it's a, it's a, basically a manual of principles of how to talk to your child who left the church, mm-hmm. how to draw them back. It's really great. Nice. And I was asked to give a summary for a parish council meeting. I did this whole summary thing and it went really well. Yes. And uh, I decided why not do that for the whole parish? And so I sent out, we sent out a, uh, an idea to the whole parish. Like, Hey, you want to come, come and listen to this talk. I'm going to present the book, essentially the principles of the book. And we're going to have a conversation afterwards about 
specific situations and like, what should I do about this person in my life who's formerly Catholic? Um, yeah. And, and this one parishioner of mine, um, she's starting a ministry based around this book. It's called return ministry. And it's, it's going to, uh, we're going, they're going to go door to door to Catholics who used to be members of our church and connect them with someone from our parish. Who's like an ambassador and I got money approved to reimburse parishioners to take former Catholics out to like coffee and dinner and stuff. Progress, yeah. baby. It's I no know. longer an idea. I know. It's a it's reality. It's no longer an idea. I got it approved. And yes. uh, it's, yeah, it's really exciting. And I, 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 you know, if I were a parishioner, I'd be like, it's $5. I don't care that much, you know. But like having that money there is just a really, it's a testament to like the parish believes in this, this thing. And I'm, I'm really excited for what's going to happen. I don't know how many people are going to show up, but I put an ad in the bulletin that said, do you have a kid who no longer comes to church? Uh, come figure out how to fix that. Um, so I can imagine a packed house, like more so than most things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, it's very possible that like no one's going to show up. So that's fine. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? If you if somebody out there hears somebody talking about, oh, things that are happening at K-State are amazing. The ministry is so good. Your first response should be, but yeah, have you heard of what Patrick is doing up at, in, in Newcastle, Pennsylvania? You should, I should say that when people come up to me and talk. <laughs> well, I'm saying people out there, people the, the people, when they gotcha. hear somebody talking about how great K-State is, be like, that's fair. And I'm sure Ethan Stevie had something to do with that. But have you heard about <laughs> have you heard about Patrick Nevy in Newcastle? Heard about Patrick Nevy. He's getting about this guy. He's this getting Joker. budgets approved. <laughs> Ethan's never gotten a budget approved in his life. He can't even get a budget past his fiance, let alone <laughs> through a parish council. Oh, em and I started making a budget last week. Are you using every dollar? Using Dave Ramsey? Wineab, baby. Oh, nice. We don't use that one because you have to pay for it. Yeah, we're on the free trial right now. We're gonna see if we like it and then. The nice thing about it is that you don't have to put in your credit card. They just let you have the free trial for 30 days and mm. then you have to put the money in. Yeah. I don't, I don't trust anybody who's like, put your credit card in and have the free trial because they're just banking on you forgetting. And I trust YNAB yeah. more because they're, they, they, they treat me like an adult instead of like a child. <laughs> yeah. Every dollar does that too. Love that. Love every dollar. Man. They'll also, they also send you a notification. They send you like several notifications before you get charged again. So if you forget a year later, they'll, you don't get charged. That's so nice. Yeah, it's super nice. I love nice people. But I, one of my favorite things about Dave Ramsey stuff is like when it when it comes time to put credit card information in for buying things online, he like has a little disclaimer that's like, "Hey, don't use a credit card. <laughs> use a debit card. Like, yeah. don't don't. If we find out, ooh, if we find out you use a credit card, ooh, I'm gonna come to your house. I'm gonna, gonna be. I'm I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be mad hillbilly. That's me. I'm gonna be I'm, big bad hillbilly. I'm gonna Dave come Ramsey. to your house with J.I. Packer and we're gonna beat you up. I'm, me, I know Mark Cuban, and he has a uh, a jet plane, and we're gonna fly new to your I'm house. A, we're gonna be like, boo! I'm gonna come to your house covered in the bones of Alvin Plantinga, and I'm gonna beat you up. <laughs> what? Who's that? <laughs> it's just I'm naming all these Protestant theologians. <laughs> You're not picking. You were picking. Me up and the on ghost it. of N.T. Wright are gonna there, kick your butt. Isn't N.T. Wright still alive? Yeah. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I'm gonna get. I'm gonna call my friend Doctor William Lane Craig, and we're gonna come to your house. And we're going to read C.S. Lewis on the porch until you change your credit card. Until you cut up your credit card right in front of us. Andy Stanley is going to point at you <laughs> aggressively in a plaid shirt. It's Me and Rick Warren are going to come over and say, it's turbo <laughs> time. And then we're going to be running around. 
What's that from? That's just from a video. I don't really. From, I think it's a sketch from a Tim and Eric show. It's Tim. It's um. It's Tim Robinson. It's uh. It's. Yeah. Has this ever happened to you? Has this ever happened Has, to you? <laughs> the plumbers come over and they clog your toilet, and, they and they're say, in there for two time. hours. <laughs> that's just such a good. I love that video. And then they replace your toilet with a toilet with that's hole is super small, so you could only use it for pee. Dave Ramsey's gonna come to your house with Rick Warren and take a dump. In all of your toilets <laughs> successively. That's what's going to happen if you put a credit card into Dave Ramsey's system. Oh, we're going to have to cut that whole bit out. That's too much. Too much for who? I, I know that Rick Warren goes to the bathroom. <laughs> you can't tell me that he doesn't. I can use deductive reasoning to conclude. I, can, okay. I would hope that I would not be able to use inductive reasoning to <laughs> ascertain that Rick Warren goes to the bathroom. <laughs> anyway, good, what's the topic? It's a good inductive reasoning joke right there. It's pretty funny. Uh, topic is we're gonna we're gonna finish out what we were talking about last week just because okay. I haven't had any time to read anything else or prepare anything else because I was a little sicky this week had to sleep all day on Tuesday uh, had to sleep it off. Patrick is giving talks. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to buy a house slash rent a house slash move slash get married. So it's gonna be a little touch and go. But as long as we can make it through the topic for 15 minutes, we can make it to the sweet, sweet land of Dr. Ethan's Dating Corner. That's what everybody loves, except That's Father what everybody Anthony. loves. They're like, it off. <laughs> all, this, all this boring junk about God and culture. Get me to the, the meat. It's turbo but time, okay? This is, this is the antipasto for our, for our full meal that is coming up. <laughs> I just learned what antipasto is the other day when I walked by it in the grocery store. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just meat and cheese. It is just meat and cheese. I bought way too uh, filling. Yes, for an I got. I blew Emma's mind the other day because I went to the store and she said, "Go pick up some stuff for dinner." And I said, "I'm going to pick up some stuff." So I got some dinner stuff and then I got some wine. Oh. I got a little brie. Uh-huh. I got a little raspberry preserves and I got the little water crackers. And I brought it back and I said, "And I got some pepperoni, which is where it was near the antipasto." I was like, "I could get that because that seems like the real thing to get, but I'm going to get a bunch of pepperoni instead." And <laughs> so I laid it down and she was like, "Whoa." This is I never expected this from you, and I said I know. And then I put the I gave her you a had cracker like a with charcuterie the, board for dinner. Well, we had well no, it was after dinner. I don't have a real charcuterie board. Charcuterie board. I have one of those plastic boards. Yeah, uh, I have a cutting I, board that's made of wood. A, a cutting board that's made of plastic. Oh. And so I got a little water cracker, put a little brie on it, put a little raspberry preserves, and I gave it to her to eat. And she said, "This is so good. I had no idea you had taste." <laughs> Emma. What does that mean? Emma's great. <laughs> what are you trying to say? We, really we, we, we like Emma. We stand Emma. This is a pro Emma podcast. <laughs> anyway, so... You guys you guys should move to Pittsburgh so that our wives can become friends. That's listen, you, you looked up the cost of living in Oklahoma oh versus Pittsburgh. Oh my gosh, Pittsburgh. it's so much cheaper. It's so cheap. Just come on down. We got lots of Catholic churches that are understaffed, underpaid, and lots of Protestants who need the fullness of the truth. Come I'm okay on. with understaffed, but... Uh, what? <laughs> I'm You're okay with, with understaffed, but you not can't. underpaid. Oh, Patrick's chasing those dollars. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to live. Um, the classic church worker who's in it for the money. Someone someone on the youth ministry board on Facebook posted like, hey guys, what are some like good side hustles you guys use to make ends meet? And I was like, here's a good side hustle to use to make ends meet. Ask your parish for more money. Tell Did them you really say that? To give the- no, not at all. I was oh. like, tell them to give you more money. They probably can and are not doing it. If parishes can afford to hire a full-time youth minister, usually they can afford to pay one well. That's my opinion. Yeah. 
Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of The Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we are uh, just finishing up. What we talked about last week was the idea of a Christian society, right? Yes. And how we as Christians need to be more comfortable saying that a Christian organization of society is just objectively superior to any other organization of society. Mm -hmm. And we saw how we talked about totalitarian democracy and how we've kind of seen that play out today and how we wrote some things about art and culture that are very much in effect right now, just in terms of... Uh, the only art and culture that's allowed to be produced is that which is in line with the doctrines of the times as dictated by the totalitarian democracy. And it's basically a, just a manuscript for what's happening in America right now. Kind of his alternative to this is having the church and the state cooperate to create a society that is aimed towards uh, membership in the church, but does not make membership in the church a requirement of participating in society. Yes. So it's a society that is oriented towards virtue and towards goodness and necessarily towards the church, but not one that mandates and forcibly requires everyone to be in the church, which mm-hmm. I just thought was a very interesting idea and a good place to start when having these kinds of conversations. Yes. The other total other side of this that he brought up was about politics and about education. And that's kind of the, the last part that I wanted to discuss on the pod uh, because I think it's really important, especially since we're not too far out of education. Patrick's still getting his degree, one of his degrees. <laughs> I I still work at a college, uh, and so we're not we're not that distant from the education world. Yeah. Uh, he says it would still be more rash of me to embark upon a criticism of the contemporary ideals of education than it is for me to venture to crit- criticize politics. But it is not impertinent to remark upon the close relationship of educational theory and political theory. So he wants he and then he goes into this big whole thing and there's lots and lots of stuff. But there's this really great little section that I thought was really important because it's especially so T.S. Eliot lived in America and then he moved to England. So he talks about what he observes in America. And I think this is going to unlock the secrets of the universe Uh to us. This is a Gnostic podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Nos cast. Well, the Nost, Nost, Gnostic cast? Gna- the Gnost cast. The, the Gnost cast. He says, <clears throat> I observed in America that with a very high level of intelligence among undergraduates, progress was impeded by the fact that one could never assume that any two, unless they had been at the same school under the same influence of the same masters at the same moment, had studied the same subjects or read the same books though the number of subjects in which they had been instructed was surprising. Even with a smaller amount of total information, it might have been better if they had read fewer but the same books. In a negative liberal society, which is a society that defines itself by what it isn't, which is what we talked about last week, you have no agreement as to there being any body of knowledge which any educated person should have acquired at any particular stage. 
And the result of this is that the idea of wisdom disappears and you get a sporadic and unrelated experimentation of knowledge and wisdom. Only a proper system of education can unify the active and contemplative life, action and speculation, politics and the arts. And that little section right there, I just like, I highlighted and circled and boxed out everything because I thought it was so good. And I think it's a reason why everything is chaos in America right now. What books did you read in high school? I read like the assigned books. For yeah, let me let me start from freshman year. So To Kill a Mockingbird, I Same. think was the first okay. one. Great Expectations. Uh, we had to read Jane Eyre, Frankenstein, Fahrenheit 451, uh, 1984, but that was optional. Not everyone had to read that. Uh, Pride and Prejudice, Hamlet, um, Romeo and Juliet. Okay, I read Roman Juliet. There's uh, probably a couple other books that I'm free, like uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne, Scarlet Letter, and Huck Finn, Ga- Gatsby. Did I have to read Gatsby? I know I, I know I did, but I, I mm-hmm. think I did have to read Great Gatsby. I didn't enjoy. There's it, probably but... probably a couple others that I'm forgetting, but those are the those are the big ones. So we hit Cyrano three. de Bergerac. Oh, that's yeah. Okay, yeah, I, so we good. we overlapped on three. All right, yeah. So just for, three, just three. No wonder we don't understand any of each other's references. <laughs> um, we had to read uh, In Cold Blood. Okay. I don't even know what that is. Truman Capote. It's a, it's uh, a dark It's a dark book. Okay. It's about a grisly, a grisly murder of four people. It's a, it's, his, it's, it's, a, it's a true crime novel that was written in like the oh. 50s. Um, the ending is incredible. Anyway, it was a very interesting book. I had to read that. I had to read... Um, so I I was in a, I was in an, a college a college prep program that was not AP it was called uh, ACE and it was out of Cambridge and we had to read, um, we had to read these books. I was um, in AP, so all the things I said those were all AP. AP, AP yeah. books. So yeah. we read we read Half a Yellow Sun, which was a book about the um, British you're, occupation. You're, I've never heard of any of these. This British occupation. This 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 book is very recent, and it was. Okay. It was about British imperialism in Nigeria. It was a very interesting book, but it was very not appropriate. I remember it being like hmm. there's one there's one scene where the author describes a young child a young boy masturbating. Um, uh, I don't understand why that was in there. Um, at probably, Jason Everett, please help. Yeah, uh, and I, I just remember being a kid. And I was like, I don't like I don't like that. I don't, I don't enjoy know that why that had to be depicted. Um, other than that, I mean, like. The book was about a bunch of different... The book was about like a, a servant boy in Nigeria and like an older man who was a professor and then two English people, ex, English expatriates who were living there. It was okay. Um, and I had to read Sense and Sensibility, read Romeo and Juliet, uh, mm. The Most Dangerous Game. Um, oh, yeah. About yeah, we read that people. one. Yeah, okay, cool. I That's didn't four. think about the short stories. I didn't remember those. I, I remember but, some yeah. of the short stories. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So we read, we read very few of the same books, but that's something that I, that I realized in college was like some of these books that used to be considered Western Canon are not even taught at most colleges anymore. I think the idea of the Western Canon is so fascinating. It's so because cool. that's, it's amazing. And that's something that I didn't really probably until this past year when I started reading a lot more intentionally and looking for more books and trying to figure out what I should read to understand books better. Cause if you, this is the thing about the Western Canon, it's kind of loosely defined, but it's like when you hear about the classics or the great books or all that's kind of, these are all kind of similar yeah. words for the same things. 
is that there's a list of books that everyone kind of has understood that if you want to know or understand Western literature, anything that's been written in the past several hundred years, you're going to have to read all of these books. And then anytime that someone makes a passing reference or builds upon the work of someone else, you're going to understand it so much more if you have read it already, which is why reading books like Don Quixote is important is because everybody's read Don Quixote and everybody references it. Um, or, you know, the, the hunchback of Notre Dame or <laughs> I just, that one just pulled out of my butt or like, uh, or like Dante, you know, Dante, and even as far back uh, as like Augustine's confessions mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's Beowulf. Beowulf, yeah. Like these just old, like the Iliad and the Odyssey even, like all the way back there. Yeah. Like those are all kind of, are the building blocks of all of this stuff. And what's interesting is is part of, part of so I, I don't, you guys know, Ben, I know you know this, but I don't know if the listeners know. I, I've read a lot of like the works that have come out of critical race theory in the past couple of years. And that's one thing that I just can't, I can't square with it when it comes to academic academics who are studying and, and promoting critical race theory. Um, they're very opposed to the idea of a Western canon in general. Um, and I, I understand the the impulse because the idea that it can it can contribute to certain racist ideas. For instance, it's just started raining really hard outside my window. I don't know if you can hear that. I can't hear it. Okay. Anytime you think I can hear something, I can't hear it. Um, it. It contributes to certain racist ideas, for instance, that like the western civilization namely european civilization was much more civilized and intellectual than other not white or like civilizations that's a racist idea because there are these incredible works that come out of the eastern canon like the art of war or like sun tzu Tzu, or like confucius's writings you know like stuff like that there's there's a lot of wisdom that comes out of the east but still like it there's um there are works that that contribute, even if they're not good. That's the thing about Franciscan has this great books program that covers John Stuart Mill, and Franciscan is not yeah a utilitarian school. Like they don't, exactly. but they read him because it contributed to the way that that the way that the the society at large views the world, mm-hmm. and it's just like the art of war just didn't contribute to society as a whole the global society jeez <laughs> there's so much rain outside it's like a hurricane outside my window patrick right is flinching away from his window it is i i, I, I no like rain so. is getting in there buddy You're no it's fine. Not, yeah i mean it's just i i forget that windows are see-through but not go through uh-huh. you know i yeah. confuse them with doors which are go through but not see-through i've been podcasting with a cat my whole life i have no <laughs> idea anyway um but yeah it, it's 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 something that I that I think is important because we I don't want to discount other cultures and their con- their their works and their contributions. But that being said, mm-hmm. um, what T. S. Eliot is bringing up is that when we don't have a common literary tradition, we aren't speaking the same language, right? You know, and that and that's that's just that's just something that's something that's unavoidable. If you want to create a global culture, one culture is going to dominate, or we're all going to be speaking different languages. Right. I. So I think it's one. I don't necessarily know if that was true. I don't know either. I don't know anything about culture. I haven't got to that part of the (laughs) book. I know we live in one. (laughs) We do live in a culture. We do live in a culture. And there is a culture war. Yes. And we're fighting in it. We're not. 
We had a whole podcast about that. If any of you out there went to go see Joker in theaters, you fought in the culture war. You did. Okay. okay? If any of you have ever played a video game before, you are in the culture war. You're in okay? the culture war. If any of you guys have ever played Among Us, you're not in the culture war. You're a war. gamer. Okay. <laughs> Officially a gamer, and you are one of the most oppressed members of our society. Yeah. Every every war needs those guys who kind of like run, uh, you know, like mail back and forth. Mm-hmm. That's the gamers in the culture war. Like they're they're there and yeah. technically they're a part of the war effort, but yeah. like they're just kind of going back and forth and not really doing that much. <laughs> if they stopped, it would be sad, but I don't think anyone would really care ultimately because you could get shot at any point in time. So that letter that you just got dies with you. Anyway. Anyway. Tragedy the tragedy of being a mailman in World War Two. <laughs> the and that leads to the idea of we need to be speaking a, a better language together. And I, and it's it's not the same. I think anybody can agree. Patrick and I have both. I've kind of read Don Quixote. I'm trying to think of a different book that like we've both read and that we understand and that we love. Uh, the Bible. <laughs> Bible is a good example. Uh, but there's probably others or just things like introduction to the devout life or something like that. Like between Patrick and I, just in our friendship, we're able to have better conversations because we know that we're coming from this similar starting points. Mm -hmm. And maybe we've heard different people talk about the Bible or talk about St. Francis de Sales or whatever in different ways. And that helps us to have a, a broader understanding of something that maybe we interpreted very narrowly on our own. But at the same time, it's, it's helpful because we both are coming from the same place. That being said, that's why a lot of our it, it, it it's not the same. If Patrick and I both watched all of the episodes of The Office, that was a goof earlier that I don't understand the yeah. office, but like but if I have a, if I've watched all the episodes of The Office and Patrick has watched all the episodes of The Office, it's not the same because then it's kind of limited to do you remember that joke that they made? You know, yeah, or, or do you remember this like, do you remember this part? Do you remember that I like let's oh, oh, they're just like Jim and Pam. You know, it's just like this surface level referencing and maybe there are TV shows and movies, movies more so. Movies are different than TV shows. Um, but even still, like maybe there are some that give you some kind of like base context to have bigger conversations about culture. But there's not a lot of TV shows like that. There's yeah. a few. But there's not a lot like even a show that's highly acclaimed like Breaking Bad or The Wire or Mad Men or The Sopranos or whatever. It can kind of be about something, but it's not the same as if you have two people in a room who have both read the Iliad, the Odyssey and the Confessions and like they can have a conversation about that. Like it's just it's different. and It's really hard for me to put that into words, but I hope do you understand what I'm trying to say? I don't want to like exclude modern media from being you know, useful. But the Iliad, the Odyssey, and not so much the Confessions, but like... I was just, I was just an example. I don't really you know. No, the Confessions... Is, so the Iliad, the Odyssey, the Confessions, and Dante were the three... Were the four books that I had to read for a class in, in undergrad. And That's great. Let's stick with those as our examples. And the Iliad, the Odyssey... The Iliad and the Odyssey and Ovid's Metamorphoses, which I didn't have to read, but the Honors Kids did, those are all referenced in Dante. Yeah. 1200 years later right um yeah. and dante builds on those legends right so like ulysses and you uh, know who references dante everyone after dante t.s <laughs> Eliot. this is a t.s Eliot quote he says uh shakespeare and dante divide the world between them there is no third that's mm-hmm. how highly he regarded dante 
Yeah. <laughs> that's a funny. Pretty that's good. A random T.S. Eliot quote that I know. But um, Dante built on these Greek legends. Well, this is a Roman adaptation of a Greek legend of Odysseus. He called him Ulysses. That's the Roman translation. But he had this... Um, Ulysses went on his his view of the world. It's really interesting. He the world for him was a circle. Okay, and um, everything was on the front of the world. It's so like everything is in one hemisphere. All the all the people, but on the other end of the world is Mount Purgatory, and that's how you get to heaven. Okay, and um, easy. Yeah, easy. And so sign me up. He had he had Ulysses sail around the world, try and sail around the world, and he made it to Purgatory. Um, and he was like he was turned back, and so in. Uh, in the Inferno, he meets Ulysses, and he, um, yeah, Ulysses doesn't go to heaven. Sorry, uh, <laughs> paganism, son of a gun. Yeah, uh, but he tells that story. So yeah, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like the this this is the main point. I think is that the reason why a Western canon is important is because these ideas build on each other, and it's not just stories building on stories. It's ideas building on ideas, like Thomas Jefferson built on John Locke, who built. You know, I don't know if he built on Hobbes, but anyway, they built on these Enlightenment thinkers built on each other and they pushed they pushed Western society in a certain direction. Right. And this is this is the point of post-liberalism, the whole the whole new polity thing. Their point is we can't scrap it and go back. That's what people think we can do. Yeah, you can't do that. You have to build on the ideas of those who came before you, even Mm -hmm. if they sucked. Right. Like Jean-Jacques Rousseau sucked. He's awful. But he's Moron. the reason why the French Revolution went the way it what it went the Ugh. way it did, and the French Revolution going the way it did caused a lot of different things to happen. Like it caused the emergence of of European communism, and European communism caused the way that we view socialism in America and the the liberal left, um, how they view economic justice. Right, like all of these things caused each other, and they build on, and you we have to build from there and move forward. And that's why if you like, if you, if you read some, some, th- some of the things that I've written for like America media and something that's coming up soon, it's, you'll see that like, I, I seem to be sympathizing with the left, but what's happening is I'm not sympathizing with the left. I'm trying to build on the ideas that they accept and move them right. forward to a Christian direction. And that's yes. what, that's what we should do is take that's the whole point of these, are, these things. Sorry, go ahead. Finish. No, no, keep going. I'm, I'm, I'm talking too much. No, I was just saying, like, that's the whole point of last week's episode and this week's episode is that we can't just look at what politics is right now and say, all of this is trash, burn it all down, let's start a monarchy from the ground up. <laughs> that would be that's nice. That's called fascism. Yeah, and it'd be nice. It'd be fun. <laughs> if it went really well, if it went perfectly, sure. But there's no way that it'll go well. Yeah, <laughs> it's just not going to happen. happen. And so... That's that's that it's it's a pedagogical thing, but also an intellectual thing. So if you in the in, in the ways of if you're teaching children, going back to the educational theory, merging with political theory, if you go back to teaching children, OK, we're going to start with these and these are going to be your building blocks. And this is this leads to this leads to this leads to this. And that's how you teach. I don't really think anybody taught that way when I was in high school. It was just kind of like we're going to read Jane Eyre. And we're going to read Frankenstein and we're going to read Fahrenheit 451 because these are like even like I can maybe understand reading Mary Shelley and uh, Bronte at the same time because they're kind of around the same era of like romanticism ish. They're about very different things. They're about super different things. So it's not Frankenstein is about the French Revolution. Yeah. Frankenstein doesn't really it kind of builds on Austin, but it or not. Maybe am I thinking of the right person? Austin, not Bronte. Jane Austen. Charlotte Bronte wrote. 
Bronte wrote what? Emma. And Pride and Prejudice? Nope. Jane Austen wrote Pride and Prejudice. Okay. Well, I don't freaking know, boys. This is that's the problem is because I <laughs> I didn't uh I didn't, I didn't learn them in I didn't learn them in order, you know, and then I studied a, a STEM major in college and then they don't really care that if you know the Western canon at all. That's the problem. We got all these people going into STEM majors and business majors and all all of these different elements of society. Bronte where, wrote Jane Eyre. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I feel vindicated. Um, but I also read Austin. I also read Pride and Prejudice that year. But they were, but there was no connection between the two. It's like, we're going to read Pride and Prejudice and we're going to analyze it. Done. We're going to read Jane Austen. We're going to analyze it. Done. We're going to read, uh, uh, I keep saying Jane Austen, Jane Eyre, and we're going to be done. Like that's, that was really rude of them to name that book after the person <laughs> of kind of the same era. And then we're going to read Frankenstein and we're going to analyze it. Done. But there was no like any any even discussion of how these ideas were building in the society at large mm. and that sucks but if you if you do teach kids that you do teach as they're growing up these are how all these ideas are playing together and this is the results of the more dangerous ideas these are the results of the better ideas then when they get into politics and they're able to be political human beings engaging in the world around them voting being a part of committees and all these different kinds of things and affecting the world around them by making decisions, then they can learn, oh, just in the same way that everyone had to deal with what was going on before them all throughout the history of society, I too have to just deal with what's going on before me. It's like this weird, the weird foot, political football of the, the Mexico City amendment thing that happens every single time somebody gets elected into office. It's like the abortion funding amendment that mm-hmm. gets signed out of law when a Republican is president and signed into law when a Democrat's president. And as soon as they're kicked out, then they get signed back in. Yeah. It's just this weird thing. That's like, I don't care what they did. I'm just going to undo it just back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And that's, that doesn't bring us anywhere. And that's the thing that Elliot was noticing about America in 1938. (laughs) It's so much worse now. It is so much worse now because there's no sense of progression. And that's why he's saying we have to educate people better so that our politics run better. And there's a this is the last thing I'll say. This is the last quote that I'll read. He said the, and this is kind of a uh, sideline, but it's also important, is the disappearance of any class of people who recognize public and private responsibility of patronage of the best that is made and written. And so you also lose this idea of patronage, which is people who then get rich and understand that they've, been built upon by all the things of the western canon of art literature all that stuff and then they sponsor artists and writers and those kinds of people to keep contributing to that yeah deep into the future and art affects politics in the same way that all this literature does as well because if you have beauty and majesty and things that are worth looking at it affects how you think about the world around you we podcasted about that a little bit uh, last semester I think at this point what uh, have we not podcasted on I know but th- if you lose this appreciation for those types of things you lose this class of the wealthy who are willing to be patrons of things and if you mm-hmm. lose the people who are willing to be patrons of things then their money is a waste then there's yeah then there's no <laughs> it's true then there's no um, sense of things being handed on it's just kind of we're going to get rich and do what we want to do and then the next generation is going to get rich and do what they want to do and there's no like if you're rich, the church teaches that you have a responsibility to, to accept the virtue of generosity that God is offering you. Mm-hmm. And if you're poor, the church teaches you that you have to respond to the, accept the virtue of receptivity that God is offering you. And nobody's kind of accepting on either of those virtues. Everyone's just kind of like, let's tear down everything 
so that I can do what I want to do. And I think it's all kind of tied into this, the way that we've taught school for years and years and years yeah. and years, which is just, let's get you the most broad base of, and instruct you in all these subjects and not actually educate you mm-hmm. about anything. Yeah. It's what keeps coming into my brain is how millions of people our education system has failed because they believe they can do research. I've been watching, I watched a documentary about QAnon and the whole QAnon movement. Patrick. And they keep like these people who are like diehard Q people are like, yeah, you know what I love about QAnon? It's just like, he lets you, you know, he doesn't tell you what to believe. You just, you just had to do the research on your own. And I'm like, I can't, I don't understand how, you were put in the position where you fully believe that you have done research and you also believe <laughs> you that, that does QAnon did QAnon get his stuff peer reviewed yeah is that like that's what I don't understand I don't understand how I understand how an intelligent person who went through who graduated from high school even went to college can be like yes I am doing research because Donald Trump um I researched and found out that Donald Trump did his hand was in the shape of something and that is actually him signaling that Hillary Clinton needs babies. Like that, that I don't understand how that is a conclusion that that like people who went through our education system can. And I I don't know if this is this is over dramatizing this, but it's like if if our education system can't teach people how to be that critical, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. oh no, mm-hmm. <laughs> I. The reason why I was thinking about them in the first place was because. I don't want anyone to misconstrue what we said last week into what you said about a Christian society that doesn't force people to be Christian, I think is very important. Yes. Because there are people out there who want to install a hagiarchy, which is people mm-hmm. use the word theocracy, but that's not correct. Hagiarchy is when holy men and holy men rule the government. A theocracy is where God rules the government. Um, a hagiarchy. They want they want like people that are Christians to be in charge, and they want everyone to be forced to be Christian. Uh, that's like this weird Christian fascism with a Christian flavoring on it. But it's also I've also I'm going off on a tangent. I'm gonna stop now. That's okay. Hey, it's just been on my mind. Great. It's all right. Yeah. I also think it's easy to trace back the time in in American education, at least, of when we started to not educate our children in the classical way almost eh, this might be a stretch i don't really know i don't do any research um i just watch q and on documentaries to when the catholic church started stopped being the primary educator and it was the given over to the government and it became a public endeavor um the catholic church used to be one of the primary, like there were other private schools and private institutions that yeah. educated children, yeah. but the Catholic church was by and large the biggest unified educator of, of kids. Oh yeah. A lot of those ancient Greek texts that we read that are like available at, you know, penguin house, <laughs> penguin random house publishing. Uh, uh-huh. We wouldn't have those if it wasn't for monks in the dark ages. Like they right. kept those books safe. Yeah. And then as soon as we started handing over, education of children to the government and saying, okay, the government's going to offer, you know, public school and it's going to be free and I don't have to pay the church anymore. And the church is now like, it seems like a good thing. Like, oh, the church is now free to do other things. Like they can, 
they can go and, and be more of the church and they don't have to do all this stuff. And then it just ultimately has a lot of negative consequences because the government doesn't have the really, like if we think about what a government is for, it's not for the education of children. Like if you, if you just say that, like the government is in charge of education of children, that's kind of like a weird, like if we heard about that in Russia, you know, and we were like, oh, the only way for kids to go to school is if the government educates them. We'd be like, whoa, that's, <laughs> Wait. that's, that's crazy. Yeah. I, 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 I see what you're saying. Cause it's like, I mean, you got to reverse engineer it. Right. So like, yeah, the society is responsible for education of children in yes, what? But the, but in the government, the government's not though like the society is but is the government yeah is this like okay so like the concept is the, state, of, is the secular yeah. power responsible because like yeah we that's the question the, the question the separation of church and state argument the, that that whole question is very recent and so like we're, if we're thinking first principles for all societies is uh-huh. the secular power responsible for the education of children i would say the church no. would say i would say the church no. would say the parents are the primary educators of the children because education okay so it's what what we're looking at is is we're not looking at church and state. We're looking at there is a spiritual power that exists and there is a secular power that exists. There is right. a there's a tangible power and there's a spiritual power. And each has dominion over its own realm, right? And like that just makes sense, but they they're they're cooperative. It's it's similar to a parent. It's similar to parenthood. They both uh-huh. have they both have their own their own roles and responsibilities, but they depend on each other. Um I would say that because because the education of children, the question is not should the state be educating children? The question is, does the temporal physical authority, is it their job to make sure children of members of their society are educated? I would say no, because education is primarily a spiritual endeavor. Yes. And because spirituality is the realm is like, is under the authority of the spiritual power, namely Mm -hmm. the church, Mm -hmm. then no, the church is primarily responsible for the education of children. Um, but then, but then yeah. when you view education in terms of what are the material goods that I can give members of my society so that they can become more productive, then all of a sudden it does become, yeah. it shifts to becoming Ooh. part of the oh, responsibility that's, of the that's state. That's so true. You know once, what I mean? Yeah. Once education becomes purely a way for you, what, when am I going to use this in my real life? Why exactly. doesn't high school teach me how to pay my taxes? Exactly. Oh my goodness. You're right. right. And then, and yeah. then you see the state saying, oh, this is what education is because that's how the, the like just the perception in society shifted yeah. of education being primarily spiritual. We gave up God. Uh-huh. We gave up the soul. We gave up the spirit. And all of a sudden it just becomes, what can we produce? What can we make? How can we make more effective citizens? If these kids aren't going to be in the factory all day, then they're going to have to be doing something that's going to end up being more productive, productive for the yeah. economy. And, right? and, and school itself is basically an assembly line, you know, right? we're going to, yes. you're going to go for 35 minute increments and you have to go to the bathroom in between increments. Like the the main <laughs> <laughs> the the main guy who designed kind of the modern public school was John D. Rockefeller. Okay. Ugh. Yeah, he was the one who kind of sponsored and and really pushed the American government to to do things the way that they're done now um, because of some weird educational theories that he read in the 30s and 20s, huh. which is like, should we really be trusting those? But uh, and I think that's something that I heard Luke say on Catching Foxes because he read the the Rockefeller uh, biography. Yeah. So that's that is me quoting from hearsay, and I don't exactly remember. I'd have to do some research, but that makes total sense as far as like 
you have wealthy, influential Americans mm. pushing the government to make certain decisions about how to educate their children so that they can then create a society that will provide more of a workforce for their own businesses and enterprises and all those different kinds of things. Yeah. It, and so, yeah, then of course, if you're viewing it that way, of course it's our responsibility. We have to. It's a moral obligation then. Because well, we're going to sit with that for a little the, while and then we're going to... All in service of the oligarchy. So... Alrighty, I don't like Good that. Podcast. Let's uh, let's let's go to somewhere. Let's go to our safety blanket. Let's go to Doctor Ethan's dating corner. All right, you came to the right place. You ding dong. It's called communication, baby. <laughs> Welcome to Dr. Ethan's Dating Quarter, sponsored by Catholic Match. Dr. Ethan's Dating Quarter is the part of the show where we answer your dating questions because we get it, okay? You're you're looking at two guys who were able to land two of the, the best ladies in the universe, okay? And you're asking, how did how did these two fellas do that, right? Well, on accident. On accident. <laughs> <laughs> if you have a question for Dr. Ethan, if you want his prognosis, diagnosis, mm-hmm. either one, uh, there's a link in the description for how to submit your dating question. All right, Heck Ethan, yeah. are you ready for this wall of text? I'm so ready, dude. Yeah, you need a coffee first? Are you sure? A five-hour energy? I just I just drank a whole Guinness, and I also just uncovered why our society is broken. Yeah, I hate so I kinda, hate that. I might write an opinion article about that. You can't steal my th- my think piece. Sure I can. Um, <laughs> I'm going to start a sub stack and beat you to it. I just got to figure out a way. I just got to figure out a way to make it relate to current events. Because that's what I was told. They were like, relate your ideas to current events. And I was like, but when I submit things about current events, you say someone already wrote about that. <sighs> I got to be I got to be quick. I got to find a middle of the road current event. Whatever. Anyway. Okay. This, this question comes from Sherry. An Sherry. Anonym, anonymous name, Sherry. Her short summary of her question is complicated feelings over ex-boyfriend. Oh, gosh. Okay. Dear Dr. Ethan and Professor Patrick, nope, please don't use my name. I have a dating question, obviously. I am 23 years old and in my second year of grad school. In the time I've been here, I've dated a guy from my program for 10 months. We broke up last fall. It was more or less a mutual decision. We felt that we Mm. had discerned the relationship well, and it wasn't where God was calling us to be. We have been split up for over six months now. When we broke up, we decided we still wanted to be friends. No, <laughs> but we made Why sure to take. A, we made this? sure we made sure to take a couple months of separation with little to no contact, so the breakup would feel real and we could reset and not fall into a dating relationship again. That's 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 mature, okay. In her defense, sure. Since the spring semester started, we've seen each other maybe a dozen times or so. Had a few conversations, mostly just to catch up and support each other as we're going through some rough patches in our own lives right now. Mm. We don't text each other very often, and when we do, the conversations are short. So here's the thing. I miss him a lot. And it's hard to know if I actually miss him or if I'm lonely and longing for companionship in general. I haven't dated anyone since we broke up. So I'm wondering if these feelings would just go away once I move on to someone else. But I'm also wondering if maybe this is just a step on our journey. If it's part of God's plan for us to get back together. Did we already answer this question? No. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Welcome back to Dr. Ethan's Data Quarter. We don't know if we've answered this question before, so bear with us. I'm sure we'll have something new to say. Um, Is it God's plan for us to get back together? A big reason why we broke up was that while I love him, I didn't feel like I was in love with him. We definitely didn't read this on the podcast, if that makes any sense. 
Now that I'm missing him so much and feeling attracted to him while we're together, it's hard to know if those feelings of being in love that I felt were lacking while we were dating. I know for his sake and mine, I would have to be really certain that my feelings have changed before I get back together with him. What is your prognosis? Hold on. Is this the same person who keeps saying prognosis? Prognosis keeps coming up, and I think it's the same person. Should I be open to the possibility of getting back together with him, or should I remove that as an option? Also, how do I put myself out there to be more open with dating other guys? My ex and I are in the same Catholic YA circles. We go to the same school, parish, etc. I think that some of our distant friends, acquaintances, assume we're still together. Um, should I cut contact cold turkey, or is there a way we should still be friends? We haven't answered this question. Okay, I trust you. I don't know. Eh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> we have others. Yeah, we'll be all right. Uh, Sherry. 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 Sherry, come on. Come on. You know, you know what we're going to say. I don't know what we're going to say. I know what we're going to say. Anytime anybody writes in and wants to get back with an ex, I'm nope. <laughs> I I'm I wish I could I wish you would tell me your exact share your location with me indefinitely on Apple iMessage and I will come there and I will grab not grab. I won't be aggressive. Yeah, it's I will get a I will get a big I will get a large I will get one of those PVC pipes that they use for social distancing and I'll hold it between you and your ex <laughs> for as long as it takes for you to realize that you just love the idea of him and you don't actually love him. I don't know. Here's the I thing. think I know. She sent this email in and she and, sent that was a month ago. Okay. And then uh-huh. she sent another, she sent it in. She submitted it to the dating question. So first of all, I don't think we answered a question, all but right, also she obviously still feels that she's been sitting on it for a month. I don't know. She might got to try it again. I've, I've really thought that I've liked girls that I didn't actually like for a long time. But you're a boy. I am a boy, but Boys I'm are human. Different. I'm human. Yeah. Yeah. Here's okay. This is the thing. <laughs> Sherry. Being in love is not a thing. Like it doesn't exist. It's not this like magical one day you wake up and you're like, "Oh, I'm in love with this person." Mm-hmm. Like it's in the movies. There there's this one moment where they're going on the perfect date and she says something and he realizes how cute and funny she is or he says something and she realizes that he's the one she's been waiting for that just doesn't exist in real life when you when you love someone you just choose to ask for forgiveness every time you mess up and you choose to forgive them every time they mess up and you just do that over and over and over again and then you, and you, sac- you sacrifice for them yeah. you die to yourself every single day and you invite them to die to themselves for you every single day and Hopefully, by the end of your lives, you guys have loved each other well. But there's no like, oh, this is, I know for a fact with my dying breath that this is the person that God has destined me to make milkshakes with in our brand new Cuisinart blender that is on, <laughs> that's on Ethan I was looking at my registry. spoons the other day and I saw they were Cuisinart wooden spoons and I was like no way sponsored no way. yeah like there's that doesn't that doesn't exist it's not real so I want you to just take that out of your mind and throw it away in your Cuisinart food processor blend it up, blend it up. throw it in the trash uh that just I'd like I don't want to crap on your your ideas but also that's that's not real. And so if you don't want to sacrifice and die to yourself every single day for this man and he doesn't want to sacrifice and die to himself every single day for you and you guys kind of figure that out over 10 months of dating, what you're feeling now is loneliness 
and the desire to be like known and the desire for someone to receive you when you want to be received and, and you want comfort of another person like that's, and those are normal things. Everybody kind of wants that all the time. Yeah. (laughs) So it's, it's why old men like flirt with young bartenders, you know, when they go to the bar, like who they think are cute is because they want to feel received because they feel lonely. Like that's just mm -hmm. part of the, even if you've been married for 25 years, like men will still slip into that. Women will still slip into that. Like that's just part of our broken fallen human nature. So you're not, you're my grandpa and he's just funny. That's true. My grandpa. You're probably great. not in love with him. You pro- like you probably just. He's probably miss, just your grandpa. If you're probably just Patrick's grandpa. I I think so. Her she clarified what if, her what question. What if this your whole life your grandpa was wearing a skin suit and <laughs> Sherry unzips it next time you see him? Whoa! And she just pops out and says, "Whoa, it's been me the whole time." Ah, <laughs> ah grandpa. Wait, that one time that you were Santa Claus at the at Macy's and I sat on your lap and you were like, "Hey, it's me, it's grandpa." You were wearing a you were wearing this guy's on top of a disguise yes patrick that was me the whole time one time when i was a kid question one time when i was a kid my mom took me to macy's to see santa and i sat on santa's lap and he asked me what i wanted for christmas and i looked up and i went grandpa is that or is that you grandpa and i like pulled his beard off it was great and that's so funny did your mom know yeah i have a distinctive memory of being like hold on that's grandpa it was a magical time i love my grandpa so so much funny he's great i love him i won't I want to love your grandpa. You, you met him at the wedding, right? I in love with your grandpa. I did. I think so. He's great. I met a lot of people at your wedding. Yeah, it's true. Anyway. Me too. What were you saying? I'm um, no, just kidding. I didn't meet anyone at my wedding. <laughs> um, so I think her, her clarifying question was, should I be open to the possibility of getting back together with him? Um, no. Nah. Nah. Yeah. Or should I remove that as an option? Yeah. Yeah. And just move on. Yeah. And then so she wants to know how to move on. How do I start dating other guys? Well, refer to our other podcast episodes where we talk about touching people on the arm. Okay. Yep. Just, you know, just bop, bop, bop. Just get them. Okay. <laughs> they'll they'll follow you. Um, you there. We're in the same Catholic young adult circles. Uh, you're not going to be able to avoid uh, dating someone in front of him if you're in the same <laughs> friend group. So you yeah. might as well just rip that bandaid off quick. He'll he'll be fine. He'll be okay. He's a he's a strong boy. I think. Yeah. Um, if you dated my grandpa, so you better have been. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so here's another question, just in case we answered that one already. Okay. All right, cool. This one did not give a name because they wanted to remain anonymous. So Perfect. Uh, should I still go out with this guy? Oh, it's a girl. Uh, Hopefully. So I'm a sophomore in college, and this guy, also a sophomore and Catholic, exclamation point, asked me out a few weeks ago. Oh, no. Are we... You You asked... You, you submitted a question to a podcast, and he asked you out a few weeks ago? <laughs> oh, she said yes. Okay, I thought she was asking, should I say yes? <laughs> so she said yes. He seems super sweet, and I don't know that many Catholic guys, but I didn't really feel the initial attraction. We haven't found time to go out yet, so we've just been texting. And unfortunately, the more we text, Mm. the less I actually want to go out with him. Uh. I said yes to a date so we get to know each other, and then maybe I could be attracted to him, but it seems like he already likes me, and I'm sadly liking him less and less. Should I tell him I'd rather just be friends, or should I go on the date? We're in a singing group together, so I don't want to make it weird. What year is this person in a sophomore life? in college? Sophomore in college, man. I have my answer. Do you want to hear my answer? Yeah, I do. You actually. gotta go on the date with him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I yeah. Agree. You got. You already agreed. Also, um, I have two. I have two responses. I wouldn't. You're liking him less and less now that you're texting him. You may be reading his texts wrong, and I know that sounds like I'm just randomly defending this guy, but like it's really it hard. It's really 
easy to misconstrue someone's meaning over text, especially if you have a preconceived bias about him. And also, you don't really know. Like you said, the whole point of going on the date was to get to know this guy. You don't even know him. You're just talking to him over text. So he might... What you should do... Here's what you should do. Depends on what he's texting you. That's true. If it's like weird stuff, come on. Yeah. If he's like, you know. oh, I don't, I don't know if we're going to be able to keep our hands off each other like that one guy. I remember that one guy. Out. That was weird. Out. I got a Catholic Mel- match article Melchizedek. out of that. I got, a, I, got a, I got a Catholic match article out of that question. That's good. So thanks for the 50 bucks, listener. I shouldn't have said that. Um, <laughs> um, the What you should do is copy and paste his text into the like Google Voice. And then hit play every single time in case you're like wondering what the <laughs> emphasis is. And then just whatever the Google voice does, that's what you can be. And so if he says like, uh, I had a great time last night, baby. Be like, is he talking about like, did he maybe just meant to say like he had a great time last night, like with the baby or like, am I the baby? Or if it, was he just saying like, baby, that was great. Like, you know, or if general, he was like, I had a great time it, last night, baby. And then you put it, you put it into the Google voice translate and says, I had a great time last night, baby. And then you, you're like, oh, Google Translate, help me solve everything. Thank, Thank you, Google. Google. Translate. Thank you, Google. Uh, yeah. So I would say, you know, just try that. Try to try to plug in yeah. his text into as many voice simulators as you can. And if you add them all up, you'll get an average and you'll kind of figure out what he's trying to say. Uh, but I would say in general... It's weird that you haven't been... I would press him and be like, hey, take me on that date. It's been like three weeks since you asked me out and we haven't gone on a date yet. I don't... I'm not your girlfriend. Like, just because you asked me out doesn't mean you can just text me all the time. I would be I would be pretty firm. Like, for, if you're a woman, if you're a woman and you're listening to this, you need to kind of like, like whip these guys into shape a little bit. Like, a lot of them think that because they do the right Catholic thing and they ask the girl out and they're not having sex with you. I'm doing air quotes right now. And they're not having sex with you. Then that means that they're good Catholic men. They're doing everything they need to be doing. But this guy sounds like kind of a wuss. And so I would just next time you see him be like, Hey, you asked me out on a date. You haven't taken me on a date yet. Either. Like we can't be texting all the time. Like, cause we're not dating. Uh, so get it together and find a time, like make a time, cancel your other plans so that we can go on this date. Like I, because you're not just gonna you're not just gonna string me along. I'm I'm Caroline. I listen to the crunch. And I'm a freaking responsible woman, <laughs> and I'm not gonna allow myself to be disrespected by some guy in a sing group. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Do you go to Baylor? Also, is that what this? Is that I what don't this is? I don't know what that means. I don't know. Anyway, um, Arlene Spensley had a really good article on Catholic Match, and I'm desperately trying to find it because it was about. I forget. I don't know if she posted this. Wait, did all of her. Those are not all of the articles she's ever written. That's weird. Anyway, she wrote an article about... Um, man, I'm going to try and find it. She wrote an article about how uh, attraction isn't important Yeah. at first. She wrote about yeah. how attraction isn't important at first. I can attest to this, that my wife became more physically attracted to me as we dated longer. I also became more physically attracted to my wife as we dated longer. Now... That is not to say that you will definitely become more physically attractive to this person as you date longer. All you have to do, get get hot quick scheme. Just date <laughs> someone for 90 days. You'll be more attractive. Get out of that relationship. You're looking good. Uh, I got a meeting in eight minutes, so if we could... Uh, I'll just... Uh, oh, no more Googling. Attraction is relevant. Oh, you might have when attracted When attraction is relevant. That's what it's about. Patrick, you're slowing down the cast. I'm sorry. Okay, so... This is bad bad radio. All right. Yeah, I found the article. So we'll put it in the... Uh, 
There you go. We'll put it in the chat. She wrote, she, she talks about, I don't actually know what her thesis is. She's a very smart and intelligent person. I just sent it to you. She's a very okay. smart and intelligent person and knows a lot more about dating. Um, cause she's been doing it for years. And, um, so, uh, read that. <laughs> cool. Hot That's Wheels. all I got. Read that. Um, <laughs> what if Hot Wheels made a game about the Western canon and it was called Hot Wheels read that? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Just a stupid. I, I was born to tech decks. All right. Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, Patreon.com slash the crunch. Hey, the crunchcast.com. Please buy some of our merch. That'd be awesome. Yeah. If you f- forgot that we have that, we do. We have t shirts. Please buy the them. Um, they're just We're getting a hoodie coming at dust. you Christmas 2021. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Everyone keeps talking about hoodies. Um, anyway, yeah, that's what we got. We got hoodies. No, we got t-shirts. We got stickers. You should go get them. Patreon.com slash the crunch. Thank you again to Catholic match for sponsoring this episode of the crunch. Bang, bang. Uh, if you're on our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash the crunch cast, please post what you had to read in high school and let's compare notes. Let's see how identical our, let's see if T.S. Eliot's analysis is actually true. See if any of us did have pretty similar. Like, I would love to see if someone had like ninety percent of the same books as someone else. That'd be kind of cool. That'd be awesome. So, post away. Uh, would love to hear about that. Patrick, do you have anything else for the people? Butterfly in the sky. I can go twice as high. Take a look. It's in a book. Reading rainbow. Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We will be praying for you, and we will see you all next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.